Heavenly Father, we ask that in your mercy you would send the Holy Spirit to us so that your word, which gives joy, would become the theme of our songs indeed, wherever we go. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we are having a Christmas service of a kind, and, uh, and so I thought it'd be helpful for us to look at Matthew's Gospel and something that it says there about the Lord Jesus and his birth. Uh, in chapter 1, we see the birth of the Lord Jesus, but after the birth of the Lord Jesus in chapter 2, we also see some visitors that come to see the infant Jesus, that come to see the baby Jesus, although quite how old he may be uh, is up for debate, uh, but he was still a child of some sort. Now, who are these visitors that come in chapter 2? Well, we're told that they are the Magi. And who are they? Well, they are people from the east. We read in chapter 2, verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, there's lots of theories about who these Magi precisely were, whether they were astronomers, magicians of some sort, which, of course, where we get the word magic from in our English language, uh, whether they were scientists who studied the heavens like astronomers would do, uh, some theories are even that they are Jews of the dispersion from hundreds of years earlier that would have been taken over to Babylon, as we see in the book of Daniel. And this word magi actually appears in the book of Daniel in the Greek translation of that, uh, along with other wise men and uh, the uh, spiritual men that are consulted in the book of Daniel. And so there's different theories about who they were precisely. Uh, but we don't really know much more than what the text actually gives us, that there were men from the east, and of course they must be wise men. Uh, because the reference in Daniel, but also the way that they have studied the heavens and that they have known that this star is unusual and some indication of this star being a reference to the one who is born King of the Jews. And that is why they were seeking the Lord Jesus. Why were they seeking the Lord Jesus? Because he is the one who is King of the Jews. They see, we see that in verse 2 of Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. They asked, where is the one who is born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, why would they be seeking out this king as opposed to the many kings that would have been in the empire at that time? Well, it's because, firstly, he has his own star, which means that this king is very, very unusual. And as we look at the text and as we look at Matthew's gospel, we see more and more information is given to us as to why this one is an extra special king. And we see that in the, the prophecy that is read in, uh, from Micah in chapter 2, chapter 2 in verse 5, we read, In Bethlehem in Judea they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. This person that was coming, he is going to be a king, but he's also going to be a shepherd of the people of God's people, the Jews. Now, kings are supposed to be shepherds, but they're not always very good shepherds. They're not very good at looking after their people. But this one is going to be a good shepherd. Now, how good is he going to be? What is he going to do that is so wonderful that Magi would come all the way from the east to worship him? Well, we're actually told back in chapter 1, when the angel appears to Joseph in verse 21, we are told, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus why? Because he will save his people from their sins. This king is going to be one who saves 
and saves not just from other rulers who may be attacking his people, but actually save them from themselves, save them from their sin, save them from God who is wrathful against them because of their sin. That is what sin is. Sin is a breaking of God's law, and therefore God's wrath has come as a consequence of our sin. And this ruler would actually save people from God himself. Now, how is this possible? If you've sinned against someone, only that person can forgive you and then save you from your error. Well, this one, this king, this shepherd, this saviour, would also be God himself. And we actually see that in verse 23. Verse 23, it says, The virgin will be with child. This is chapter 1 of Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This king is worthy of travelling to sea. No wonder a star appeared in reference to him. He is God himself. When he dwells with people, it is God dwelling with them. So how did the Lord guide these magi to the Lord Jesus so many years ago? Well, he is this very special king and he is one who has his own star. And this star is what appeared to help them to know where to go to worship the king who is God himself. And we see that in verse, in verse uh, 2. It says... They asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, what is this star? There's lots of theories that people have suggested, just like there's lots of theories about who the Magi are. Uh, this star has been suggested to be a regular star. And we see twinkle, twinkle in the sky. Uh, it could be a planet. There's different planets that have been proposed that would have been in a visible position at this time in history. Some people suggest a comet, and then other people suggest that it's some sort of bright light in itself, even the glory of God that was revealed in the heavens to show them uh, the way to go to see this king. At the end of the day, we don't really know. Why? Well, it's a very unusual star. It's a very unusual star. We couldn't nail it down as a star or a planet or a comet that we would know today. Why? Well, it disappeared. When they get to Jerusalem, they clearly don't know where it is anymore. That's why they're inquiring, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? They're asking God's people, the Israelites, where is the one who is your king? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So it appears that it disappeared. But then it also appears that it appears again. If you look down with me in verse 9, after they'd heard the king, and they've heard that it's in Bethlehem that the king is to be born... They went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. So this star, if it's a comet, it has to be a comet that appears and then disappears and then appears again. And then it's a very unusual star because of its behaviour. It doesn't continue through the heavens. What does it do? It actually stops over one location on planet Earth. So all sorts of theories of natural explanations for this star uh, should probably be discounted, that this is a very unusual star, whether it's some sort of angel or the glory of God, we don't know from the text. All we know is that there's this body of light in the sky that guides the Magi so many years ago to the Lord Jesus. But how else did the Magi find out where to go? 
Well, as I said, they also made inquiries in Jerusalem when they had no star as a reference point. They made inquiries and the religious leaders were able to point to a part of scripture that indicated where the Lord Jesus would be born. And that was in Micah, where it says in Micah, in verse 6, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, so that's the region of Judah within Israel, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. The Magi asked people so that they could find the Lord Jesus, so they could find the king of the Jews. And these people then went to scripture and looked there as to what the Lord had revealed about where the king of the Jews, where the Messiah would be born. And they looked at Micah's prophecy in particular. So what are the Magi like? Well, the Magi are like men with two guides. They've got a guide in the star that guides them to the king, and they've also got a guide in people with Bibles, people with scripture, people who have the prophecies of God and the words of God, therefore, to tell them where his king is to be born. They've got these two guides, and so they follow these guides. They follow the star, they follow the scripture, they follow the star again, and therefore they come to Jesus. And what do they do when they get to Jesus? Well, we see that they bow down and they worship him. In verse 11 of Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then what did they do? Well, they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. We see that the Magi, they come to meet this King of the Jews, and when they meet him, they worship him. They recognise that he is someone of tremendous value, and therefore they give these expensive gifts to him. Now, what are we to learn from the Magi from many years ago? Well, there's many helpful lessons that we could get from them, but I think this morning what might be helpful for us is to focus on the two guides that Christ himself, that the King of the Jews, used to guide the Magi to himself. Why are the guides helpful for us? Well, Christ still uses the same two guides that he used so long ago to guide people to himself. What guided the Magi to himself? Well, something in creation guided the, the Magi to his king so many years ago. It was a star at that time, but God still uses creation to guide people to himself, to lead people to himself. We understand that the scriptures say that the heavens declare the glory of God. Where does it say that in the scriptures? Well, Psalm 19 tells us that. Psalm 19, turn with me now, page 541, page 541. A classic text to tell us that creation tells us about the Lord. Psalm 19, verse 1. For the director of music is Psalm of David, and we read, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat." What is the psalmist telling us? It's telling us that God has revealed himself in the heavens every day. 
Every day we have the glory of God being proclaimed, whether it's by the stars and the moon at night or by the sun itself. The bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, running forth through the sky. And it is not as though then people can claim that they haven't heard about the glory of God. It even says there, day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. It is not as though when we look at the heavens, we can only understand the glory of God if we speak English or we speak Hebrew or we speak Greek. No, every day as we look at the heavens, we understand that there is a God and that he has a king and that he is a God who is powerful. He is a God who is worthy of worship. And so just as the Magi so many years ago looked at something in creation and they understood that there was a king and they needed to worship that king, so too we today can look at the the heavens and understand there is a God and he is worthy of worship. And it happens. I've spoken to people who have been sitting on a beach and they've watched the sun come up on the horizon as they look out over the ocean and they say there must be a God. There must be a God as they look at the heavens and they see the sun rising or they see a sunset. They look at that sunset, they look at the beautiful colours and they say there must be a God. And so that guide is still there for people today to understand that there is a king and he is worthy of worship. But what was the other way that the Magi were guided to the Lord Jesus? How else were they guided? Well, it was by humans with Bibles. Humans with Bibles. They made inquiries in Jerusalem. Where is the one who was born king of the Jews? And religious leaders got their Bibles out and they said it's in Bethlehem. And it's the same today. As people ask, who is the one who is king of God's people? It is the scriptures. Humans with Bibles that bring out the scriptures that can say, it is Jesus Christ. Christ, after all, he commissioned his disciples to go out into all nations and make disciples and share with them all the things that he has taught. We see that in Matthew 28, just before he ascends into heaven, after his death and resurrection, he says to his disciples, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Lord Jesus commissioned people with Bibles to point to himself so that people would worship him as the king who has been installed by God. So the question for us this morning is, have we followed those guides? Have we followed those guides? Have you followed the guides that God has given us? May I ask, why bother bother following these guides to Christ? Well, remember who Jesus is. He is the ruler. He is the king. He is God himself. And how does he rule? Well, he rules as a shepherd. And how does he rule as a shepherd? Well, he saves his people. Saves his people from what? Well, we saw in Matthew chapter 1. He saves his people from their sins and the consequences of their sins. See, the same problem that the people had 2,000 years ago is our problem today as well. We have all sinned against God. We've all broken his laws. We have not worshipped him as we should. We have not loved him as we should. We have not loved our neighbour as we should. And we need to be saved from our sins. Why? Because we cannot overcome the consequences of our sin. What are the consequences? Well, we deserve God's wrath for eternity in hell. 
we deserve his punishment because we have sinned against him and become his enemies. And we cannot escape it by our own strength. We cannot. People try to fight off the consequence of their sin by resisting death as much as they can, but it gets everybody in the end. And then they stand before God's judgment throne. And so we need God to forgive us. We need a king over us who can forgive us and save us from our sins. We need one who is Emmanuel, God with us, who can save us. Now, how does Jesus save us from our sins? Does he just wink at sin and say, it's okay, you can come into my heaven, don't worry about hell? No, he came to die in our place. This is why it's such a tremendous truth that God himself took on flesh. It was so that he could die the death that we deserve at the cross. That's what's happening at the cross. When Jesus went and died on the cross, he was taking the penalty that we deserve for our sin. The wrath of God was poured out on him for those who trust in him. And so therefore, instead of us being sent to hell, he sends his people to heaven, or takes his people to heaven, to be with him, to be with the one who is God with us. But you may ask, how do I follow those guides? How do I follow the guides? It's worth bothering following those guides to Christ to have our sins forgiven and the consequences of our sins taken away. But how do we follow them? I mean, after all, the Magi were able to actually go and physically see the Lord Jesus Christ and worship him. How do we go and see the Lord Jesus today? How is that possible? Can we do it? No, Jesus has ascended into heaven physically. He is no longer amongst us. So how do we follow the guides and meet with Jesus today? Well, we see him by faith. That's the way that we meet with Jesus today. It's by faith. The Apostle Paul says about Christians that we live by faith and not by sight in 2 Corinthians 5. We live by faith and not by sight. And the author of Hebrews says that if we're to please God, we must believe in him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If we believe that God exists and that his son exists and we believe that he is our saviour, then we have met with him. If we trust in him, we have met with him. We have walked by faith and not by sight. What's happened to those who believe? Well, Christ's spirit has come and dwelt within that person so that the person meets with Jesus. They believe that Jesus is real. They believe that he is their king. They believe that he is their shepherd. They believe that he is their saviour. And that's what's happened for those who trust in Christ Jesus. They know that Jesus loves them. They know that he died for their sins. And they long to see Jesus face to face in heaven. They're dissatisfied by walking in faith and not by sight at this time, but they look forward to the time where they will see Jesus face to face. We will see him. But how do we know that we've actually met with Jesus? I can stand here and say, you know, you're meant to trust in him, but there's something in us that craves to know, have I really met with Jesus? Am I really one of his citizens, with him as my king? Am I really one of his sheep, with him as my shepherd? Am I really one of those who have been saved by the saviour? Well, how did the Magi know that they had met the king? Well, what did they do? They worshipped Jesus. We see that in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 2. We see that when they come to the Lord Jesus, when they finally see him, they follow the star, they follow the 
scriptures that indicate that it's at Bethlehem. And what do they do? They bow down and worship him in verse 11. They bow down and worship him and they give gifts. So how do we know if we have met Jesus? Well, it's the same way. We worship Jesus Christ. We worship Jesus and we give generously to him. In fact, we give ourselves to him. We give all that we are. And how else do we know that the Magi saw the Lord Jesus, that they came to the Lord Jesus? Well, they rejoiced. They rejoiced at seeing the star. We see in verse 10, verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They were exceedingly joyful. Why were they joyful? Because they saw a star? No, because they knew that the star was leading to the one who was king of the Jews. And so no doubt they rejoiced in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. If they rejoiced at his star, they rejoiced in actually seeing him in the flesh. So how else can we know that we have met with Jesus, that we have trusted in Jesus, that he is our king? Well, do we have a joy in our hearts about the Lord Jesus Christ? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. If you are someone who loves the Lord Jesus, who trusts in the Lord Jesus, then there is a joy, an inexpressible and glorious joy in your heart. Why? Because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You have been saved from sin. You no longer have to fear God's wrath. Instead, you look forward to heaven itself, where there is no crying, there is no pain, and where the Lord Jesus himself is, and you will get to see him face to face. And so if you claim to believe in Jesus Christ, but don't worship him, you don't give, and you don't rejoice in him, then you haven't met the Jesus that is the real Jesus. What's happened? You've met some other Jesus. You claim to believe in Christ, but he isn't the king. He isn't the shepherd and he isn't the saviour. Otherwise, you would rejoice in him. Otherwise, you would worship him. Otherwise, you would give generously of yourself to him. All the members of this church can testify to these truths. We have met Jesus by faith. You can't be a member of this church unless you have met him by faith. We have worshipped Jesus, we continue to worship him, and we give ourselves to him each day. And so we rejoice. We rejoice because we have met Jesus by faith and we rejoice in what we will have with Jesus one day where we will see him face to face. So have you met Jesus Christ? Have you followed his guides? Have you followed creation to Christ? Have you followed people with Bibles to Christ? Let's face it, after all, you've come into this place of worship for some reason today. Maybe you're even asking the question that the Magi asked so many years ago. Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Something has happened to me and I have come wanting to know how can I worship the one who is King of all? Maybe it was something in creation you saw. Maybe it was the sun coming up over the water. Maybe it was study of some aspect of creation, a study of a plant, a beautiful rose, the human body, a baby. So many people can look at a baby and say there must be a God when they first hold their own child in their arms. 
something changes in their mind and they want to know the God who has made them and made that child. Or maybe it's a trouble in your life that you cannot overcome, a particular sin or an effect of sin that you've seen, a health problem, you or someone else, and you need help. You need a saviour. You need a shepherd because you can't solve your problem yourself. Or maybe a Christian invited you, a Christian with a Bible, or a Bible verse got stuck in your head, and so you've come wanting to know, how do I worship the King? How do I know the King? How do I meet with him? If you've never met with Jesus, follow the scriptures with me now and believe in him. Don't just look at creation and not see how it points you to Jesus Christ. Like many, many scientists sadly do. They study creation, they think that it's wonderful, but they don't look at the wonderful God who made that creation. Don't be someone who hears people read the scriptures, hear the Bible, and not see how it guides you to Jesus Christ. There are many people around the world who read their Old Testament incessantly. They study it, they read it, they memorise it, they're called rabbis, and they do not see that it points to Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth, who was born so many years ago. Are you going to be one of those who hears the Bible and does not go and see what Jesus, see and meet with Jesus by faith? You even see it in the passage that we read from Matthew chapter 2. Religious leaders got out the Bibles. They looked up where it was that the one king of the Jews would be born. They told the king. They told the Magi. We don't have any indication that they then went to Bethlehem. Are you going to be someone like that? Are you going to be stubborn and claim that Jesus hasn't given you a guide to himself? Are you like someone who sees two guides and says, I don't know the way, and then go home? The Magi were wise men, not foolish men. Why? They didn't come to Jerusalem, make inquiries, hear the scriptures, see the star, and then turn around and go back to the east. No, what did they do? They came to Jerusalem, they made inquiries, they saw the star, they heard the scriptures, and they went and met Jesus Christ. Are you going to be wise or foolish? Are you going to come to church, hear the scriptures, see creation's testimony all around you, and go home without meeting Jesus? Or are you going to meet Jesus by trusting in him? By the power of the Holy Spirit this morning, trust in him. Are you going to take Jesus as your king, as your shepherd, as your saviour? Are you going to have your sins taken away and look forward to reward, not punishment? Are you going to worship Jesus and give your life to him? And are you going to know the inexpressible and glorious joy that every member of this church knows? Because we know that we are receiving the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls, heaven itself with Jesus Christ? Or are you going to be left speechless on the day of judgment because you wouldn't follow Christ's guides? You wouldn't follow his guides. That's what Romans 1 tells us will happen to many. It says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. 
What you see around you has been made, and it clearly teaches you about God's eternal power and divine nature, clearly seen. And then he ends that verse with what? So that men are without excuse. No one goes before God's throne on Judgment Day and says, not enough evidence. You didn't give me a guide. No, creation is clear. Day after day it pours forth speech. Night after night, in every language, no one can say, not enough evidence. No one can say, you didn't give me enough guides. We have creation. We have the scriptures. We have sufficient evidence to meet with Christ Jesus by faith. Are you one who has met Christ by faith? I encourage you, follow Christ. Trust him. Worship him, give yourself to him, and rejoice in him and keep doing so, longing to see Jesus on that day face to face as one of his subjects, one of his sheep, one of his friends whom he has saved. Let's come before him in prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you as the king, the shepherd, the saviour of your people. We thank you for guiding us through creation and the scriptures to yourself. But we ask that you would forgive us for our sins and help us to worship you and give our lives to you and rejoice in you as we should. Oh, Lord, we so often do not worship you as we should. Even as our lips profess that you are our king, that you are our saviour, we do not honour you as we should. And so we ask once again for your forgiveness. And, Lord, if there is anyone here who has not met you by faith, may you guide them to yourself with creation and the scriptures, so that they may be forgiven, so that their souls may be revived, and so that they may worship you and rejoice with us in your presence for all eternity. And we pray this in your name now. Amen.